0: you go to the drive-thru and you say you want a number one, you don't get up to the window and be like, y'all put fries in there? I didn't want fries. Because you know, it comes with it. But what you're trusting in your wisdom is that you're choosing someone who not if, when they hurt you, will be quick to restore you.
1: Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast. We hope you've been listening to our series, Relationship Gold, part one on dating. If you haven't, run that back real quick because we are now in part two. So get ready because the tea is still hot. All right. Being single can be hard as Wait, who wrote this? Bing Singles is amazing, okay? But today <laughs> we are talking about the other side of that and we are dropping gems on Relationships. Once you get in that relationship, talking about the maintenance of healthy relationships, marriage, and what that means for us today. I think we live and we learn, but just in time for cup and season this winter, it's getting cold. We want to have an open conversation on that, whether it's for us, how we navigate it, and our concept as Black women, because marriage is complicated for us, and we have to be honest about it. So we're going to get in today about how we celebrate our love in a way that feels nerve- and sustainable. Obviously, I have no idea, but that's why I have my amazing Unbothered crew here to share their experiences and knowledge with y'all and the inimitable Niecy Nash, who's gonna come on after to tell us about her relationship, love, and all the things she's learned as a newlywed herself. So get excited, all right? I am Chelsea, your unbothered VP, single as a dingle. But I think one of the best things about this conversation that we're getting into is that we all have different perspectives on it, regardless of our marital status. And we're gonna open up the door for that and really just get into it. And we're gonna be coming in hot, as I said, with this roundtable question, as we always do. So I want everyone to intro themselves to the people. And I wanna hear, we're gonna play a little game of F, Mary kill. And because we are in Scorpio season, problematic as it is, we're going to make it a Scorpio season version, okay? So our Scorpios up at the gate are Drake, Sizza, and Winston Duke, F. Mary Kill. I'm going to hold and just give mine in a minute cuz I just need a, a sec, but Maya, how you doing in the Dirty South?
2: What's up? What's up? Y'all already know who it is. It's your fave, Maya from the 904 coming in live. Um for F. Mary Kill, I'm definitely sleeping with Drake. Yes, he's giving me very much, I will do you right. I'm going to marry SZA because, you know, she's just giving me everything my heart desires. I feel like she will take care of me. She will be in tune with my emotions and I will never have to question her. Winston Duke, I just don't think, you know, I'm his type. So why would I waste my time?
1: Okay, okay. Fair (laughs) enough. That's a a good mix too. And I think we're playing to their strengths. How about Mm -hmm. that? Okay, Steph, how you feeling?
3: Hey, y'all. Stephanie Long here. I am one of the senior editors for Unbothered, and um, I think I'm in alignment with Maya. I'm going to marry SZA because she's been wifey since, like, four evs, even though I kind of have, like, a no Scorpio policy as an Aquarius myself, but we'll just make her the exception. (laughs) I think kill is a strong sentiment, but I am gonna have to say that I'm gonna dismiss Aubrey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chelsea. I'm sorry. I just you More know More for us. More for us. We we grew we grew apart and I yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good on that. And um You know, aesthetically speaking, I think we're going to F Winston Duke for sure. Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, fair enough. What I was going to say, because you guys know Drake is my problematic fave, is that I would kill Drake, but marry Aubrey. Okay, so there's a real (laughs) distinction there. All right. Aubrey the goober from Degrassi days couldn't get his fade right. I'll marry that one. Okay. And, you know, SZA can be in the room. So great. <laughs> They're there. And we're going to kill Winston Duke because I don't know what he's doing, but that's fine too. We'll we'll figure out a place for him at some point, but I, I'm not dealing with that at this point. I have enough people in my bedroom, clearly, with this game. <laughs> and we're going to round it out with Kathleen in The
4: Six. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Chelsea. you making me laugh, as you always <laughs> do. I am Kathleen, another senior editor here at Unbothered. And I got a rep from my boy, Drake, because I am in the sixth, as you mentioned. So I'm going to marry Drake. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to marry (laughs) Drake. Just because the Canadian connection, you know? And he got money. He going to take care of me. (laughs) That's it. We started from the bottom. Now we hear here, Drake. And then I'm going to F Winston Duke. Because if you have seen Black Panther, M'Baku, I want to um, climb him. Mm, Thank you. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then this hurts my soul because mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. Sisa.
3: You, you ain't
4: right, Kathleen. Oh, It hurts my soul. Right. I love her so much. Solana ain't done nothing to you. But I mean, I'm, we're just going to be best friends. That's what we're going to do. So I'm I'm just going to dismiss her for now, but we're going to be friends. It's all right. It's all Girl, right.
2: Girl, that's why your life go look like that last Drake album with all the baby mothers <laughs> because you <laughs> done killed a scissor. See, that's what your life going to look <laughs>
3: like. I love
4: her. I love her so much. Why'd you make me do this, Chels? Because Why'd you that's make me the game. do this. Let me, <laughs> let, let me and Drake be goals, everyone.
1: Let us live our lives. That is fair. That is fine. But you bring up a good point though, Kathleen, about goals because you just recently got married. So as the resident married person on this crew, Ooh. we I we gotta dig into it. Number one, congratulations. Yeah. Literally. You guys are just, like, love personified in so many ways. Like, trust me when we say this, we really do see this. But I want to talk to you because as we were sort of talking about this episode and talking about, like, marriage overall, one of the things that came up was, like, was marriage even a goal for you, right? Like, what did that look like now? You know, you've been married for maybe a week and changed. (laughs) Was marriage the end goal?
4: I'm going to say my man is a lot less problematic than Drake and Aubrey and let's hope that he's not listening to this. Um but no, it was never the goal, you know. I wrote a piece when I first got engaged for Refinery29 and it was called I'm getting married but I never wanted to be a wife. Mm. And that was because the word wife had such a negative connotation to me. You know that word wife connotes things like duty and domesticity, things that I do not associate myself with. I don't cook. I hate cleaning. I am not all the things a good wife should be. And I jokingly call my partner a great wife because he mm-hmm. is one. He cooks, he cleans, he does the laundry. Like he And he also doesn't find me calling him a good wife offensive because he knows what I mean when it comes to those traditional gender roles that are associated with a husband and a wife in marriages. And that is just not how our relationship runs. And it's not how, hopefully, it will ever run. You know, Mm. my partner proposed to me after we had been together for eight years, mainly because for the first six or seven of them, I was like, do not propose to me. Just don't do it. (laughs) He probably would have done it after year one if I wasn't always being like, don't you dare. Get off Mm. that knee. Don't you dare. (laughs) But I mean, he's obsessed with me, as he should be. I was reading this book uh, by Gia Tolentino called Trick Mirror, The Weekend He Proposed, and she has this chapter about all the reasons why she's not gonna get married. And I agreed with so much of it about how this institution is so antiquated and it was you know made by men, like all of these things. And so I was like telling him all these reasons why maybe I didn't ever want to do it. And he proposed anyway, just because he's like that. But mm. my thoughts on marriage have absolutely changed. Because to me, monogamy feels like the most human thing we can do because Mm. it is a choice. I like that I get to choose him and to be monogamous because that is against our animalistic nature. Like, monogamy is not something that comes natural to us. And so I totally understand why people opt out of it. I understand why Chels has her roster and is probably never going to give that up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But to Mm -hmm. me, you know, it's more— of a token of my love and showing that, that I am choosing to be a part of this institution that I don't even really believe in because I love him that much. But also Mm -hmm. because I think that that daily choice to be with one person is what separates us from
3: animals who can't choose, who can't control their impulses. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think about this a lot, and I agree with everything you just said. And I know that ultimately, you know, I do want a monogamous Partnership. You know, I want to settle down with someone and be with that person for, you know, however long I remain on this earth. But the question that I sometimes ask myself is Is a ring on my finger necessary for that? Mm. Absolutely not. (laughs) Like,
4: I'm still a basic ass bitch who grew up in the suburbs with, you know, very traditional friends and family. And as much as I really didn't think I wanted all of that. You know, I was a girl like squealing when I got this ring. <laughs> I did all that. And I, so I think that, you know, even if you choose monogamy, I don't think that a ring or a wedding, mm. I don't think any of that is necessary to live like a monogamous relationship with one person, if that is what you
3: choose.
1: Kathleen, one of the things— well. A lot of the things things you're saying are super resonant just, like, overall with our concept of marriage now and the fact that, like, we just have to recognize that it is a choice, that mm-hmm. whether or not you make it, it is a choice, right? But I do want to get a little bit into this because you mentioned you had sort of a traditional concept because marriage looked a certain way growing up. In the suburbs. Like what was the what were the examples of marriage set either, you know, in our lives, on TV, out in pop culture, like out in the world that really set a standard for what we thought marriage was? I think for me, you're right, Kathleen, roster five Eva. And that <laughs> I know um, through much therapy is because of the marriage example that I saw. You know, I I grew up in a, a very, very loving household with two parents, very privileged to have that and they were married. But my parents got married my mom was at a party with another dude. My dad came in and they left together. He was a single dad, two kids, 16 years older than her. And my mom said, okay, let's go. Six weeks later, they went to Vegas. They were married for 20 years. And then they you know, got a divorce when I was in high school. And it was really, really hard for me. I was the only child left in my house. And so I was the one who had to you know, determine where I was going to stay and giving sort of missives to my siblings and having to sort of play in between both parties which was hard. And so for me, I think I probably have a little bit more a lot more hesitation to jump into a situation if I think there's an end point, right? And so I think for me, I'm like, I'm not going to get married unless I know that I'm not going to get divorced, which isn't realistic in this world, you know? Half of marriages end in divorce. And as we know, only about a third of Black women are married right now in 2021 compared to, say, almost 60% of white women counterparts. So I understand that that isn't necessarily realistic, but I think it definitely my own experiences colored the way I think about marriage and approach relationships. And so I want to sort of hear from you guys about how that, you know, experience with marriage and what you saw maybe colored your own experience and thoughts on what marriage is.
4: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was all a word. I definitely had a romanticized view of marriage when I was growing up. But what I saw of my parents' marriage growing up was not true. You know, they are now divorced. Mm. I found out, I've shared on this podcast before, I found out when I was an adult that I had six siblings I did not know about. The Mm. husband that my father portrayed to his family and to the world was not the husband that he actually was. But weirdly, I still have this romanticized view of marriage because of what I saw growing up. But I think Mm. what their divorce made me realize, and their divorce was really hard, like— Gone through a lot of therapy to figure out my feelings about it. I think what it made me do instead of losing faith in marriage or believing that I could have this kind of romanticized view of marriage is that it made me really think of who I was marrying.
3: Mm.
4: And now I think of if we are getting a divorce, what kind of man would he be during that circumstance? And I still think that I would be okay with the person that he is. Whether or not we would stay friends through that, he's a reasonable person. And I think that because I believe that he is such a good dude, even in the hardest times, he would still be that. And so that's how I gauge is what kind of a person would he be in the hardest of times? Mm.
3: You know, I've never considered that before. And it's so refreshing to hear because when I hear that, like it's— It's so true. And Mm. ideally in my perfect world, we start out as friends. We take our time getting to know each other over the years. We've gone through some shit together. And through that, that's where you can see how people respond to difficult situations. And I really believe that seeing how your partner reacts to trauma is very telling. And as I think about that, I think back on some of my mother's marriages, right? Like, In hindsight, there were signs in the beginning that they probably would not be great partners in the long run. Mm. And you can only really pay attention to that if you are, you know, exercising discernment and really being honest about, is this somebody that I would want to go through a divorce with? So yeah, I think you're spot on and I'm definitely going to file that away (laughs) for future dating situations. (laughs) I mean, it's also stuff
4: because... You know, I got married a week after our 10-year anniversary. Like, Mm -hmm. I know this man. And that's also, I think, one of the reasons I, like, came around on marriage. And also, we signed a prenup. You better believe we signed a prenup. Because marriage is a business arrangement. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And I don't care if people think that that's not romantic to say.
3: It is.
1: It's a legal contract, people. And it is binding.
3: (laughs) And it's also really smart because you have no idea what's going to happen. You know, and like when I get married, like speaking to the the business contract point, like I envision myself building like an empire. So if I am entering this agreement with someone, it just makes sense to me to like protect ourselves. It doesn't necessarily mean that something bad is going to happen. And like, that's why we're getting a divorce. But sometimes, you know, you may grow apart or, you know, things just change.
1: Mm. Maya, I feel like you, you understand this as our resident, like a business woman, <laughs> writing things off on her taxes all day, every day, <laughs> getting that empire. Don't tell the IRS, okay? <laughs> Shh, be very <laughs> quiet.
3: Hmm
1: but i feel like that's something that like we do think about and that's that's also something i feel like that maybe we're changing our perception of yeah. so as much as we can get in order before we enter into that contract knowing you know not only our financials what you're going to be potentially joining bank accounts with but knowing the person that you're joining your life with right and understanding that it's going to be messy at times and it's going to be hard but you have to be prepared for maybe not it looking the traditional way that we may have seen or that we may have idealized it to be. I told you guys this, but when I was younger, around probably your age, Maya, I was out on a bachelorette trip with one of my best friends from high school who was getting married. And we were in Austin, Texas in like an Airbnb. But one of the things we just were having like a deep conversation late one night, you know, we had some libations and we were just like feeling like a really intimate heart to heart that you just like love to have on girls trips. And my friend said, Said, you know, we're probably going to end up being the breadwinners in our relationship. And this was with, you know, 10 of my best girlfriends who are all very successful in their own right. And I was so annoyed by that at the time. I was like, no, how dare you? That's not fair. Like, I want a benefactor, still in the market for that. I want to, like, make sure, like, why do I have to, like, be the breadwinner in this? But now, you know, a few years later, I've realized that that's Mm -hmm. probably true. And at the time I took it as an insult. And now I'm like, I'm just got to be honest with myself that this idea, this traditional version of marriage where my partner was the breadwinner is probably unrealistic, right? And I'm probably going to have to like shift that on my end to get some of the things that I know I absolutely want and can't shift on.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm like, Traditional marriage, and, who is she? I never met her. We've never met. It's just very much like I only know marriage from the perspective of me seeing what has failed for other people. You know what I'm saying? I've decided that I just want a partner in life, and that's just my ultimate goal. And for me, I kind of battle within myself because I don't want to be their breadwinner. But it's coming to the realization that that just might be the fact. It's the type of life I want to live, and I'm going to require— it's like, okay, if he's not making that, what are we gonna do? Because at the end of the day, we don't eat McDonald's. So we're not but up, but, 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 but loving it over here, baby. And my dad was telling me, because I was like, Dad, you know, I want to marry a rich man. He was like, All right, Maya, because you know, a rich man's gonna want you to be super submissive. He's gonna want this and that and the third. He's like, and I know that's not how your life is. I say, yeah, you know that's right. I don't do that. So I'm struggling now between What is really the most important thing? I need to find a happy medium of, okay, he doesn't have to be a billionaire. He can be a thousandaire, but he makes me feel like I'm the only person in the world. And in my relationship, we're just going to be a team. I want to be able to have his back. I want him to be able to have my back. I don't ever want to feel like me and him are competing in the household. I want him, I want us to feel like, you know... We're, we're one because we literally will be one. And I think that's the biggest thing now within the world. We don't see each other as one when we get into these relationships or these marriages. I very much don't like that. So I think the biggest takeaway is whatever you see as a relationship strategy for yourself, go mm. go into that and dive deep into it and find somebody who, you know, feels the same way as you. And don't be too concerned about what the mm. outside is saying. What do you like? What do you need? What are the requirements for you? And then move forward Mm -hmm. with that.
4: I also think the idea of a breadwinner is changing, you know, in 2021 Mm -hmm. in this economy because it's so unstable. And, you know, I think that it's, no career is completely stable anymore. And there was a time in my relationship where I was pulling the financial weight. You know, he runs a tech startup. And in the beginning, he was making no money. And I was pulling the weight. Now he makes more money than me. The financial burden has shifted over to him. And I think that it'll probably shift back to me at some point. Maybe it won't. But I think that that teammate, situation that you were talking about, Maya, that is kind of where we should be. And there's so many outside influences, as you mentioned, of what a breadwinner is and what that means. And the word like emasculation comes up because Mm. I've seen this in friends relationships Mm -hmm. where my friend was going to work and he was at home taking care of the child. And he said that that made him feel emasculated, which is Mm. ridiculous. They are not together anymore thank Mm-mm. goodness. But it's just, this is, this is where the outside influence comes in. And, and if you are in a straight relationship, there are a lot of men who feel like that. But I don't think that the definition of a breadwinner in relationships moving forward is going to be the same.
3: Mm. I just want the whole idea of there being a winner in partnership to go away altogether. Like Ooh. it just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like that is the root of the resentment that can often lead to divorce because we have this idea that just because we've now like tied the knot, jumped the broom, now someone has to be doing better than the other. And if you're looking at straight relationships, for example, you know, men feel like they have to be making more money than the woman that they're married to or else, you know, they're not fulfilling their duties as a husband or they're not worth anything in the relationship. Or if the woman is making more money than they are, then they start feeling insecure about themselves. And now the partner is being villainized for being successful. And it's like, no matter who's making more money, like, don't you want to be with a successful partner? I just, Uh you know, I just, I feel like just no matter who you're dating, regardless of gender, we need to take this idea of winning in a relationship away and just find ways to support one another because ultimately that's what's going to serve the longevity of marriage. Mm.
4: I think in the beginning of a relationship, naturally with another human being, there is going to be a bit of that push and pull, a little bit of the envy, a little bit of the keeping score. Like that shit just happens. I mean, I've been in a relationship again. I've said this a million times for a long time. And we started this relationship really young. So we kind of grew up together. But there was some of that in the beginning that we had to, and then also put on top of that, the fact that we're in an interracial relationship. There's Mm -hmm. been a lot of shit that we've had to work through in therapy with each other. And I think that it's just like, there should not be this keeping score. There should not be a winner in a relationship. But there also, you have to know, give yourself some grace that sometimes that is going to come out just naturally.
2: Mm. Then where's the vulnerability? Because if I'm winning, you're losing. Somebody Mm -hmm. has to be vulnerable. I don't think that's what's taught. I think the scorecards are taught instead of, okay, this is my partner, Um, I'm I'm supposed to be vulnerable with this person. I'm supposed to be open and free with this person. And I don't feel like I can't because even though I'm with them, I'm still competing with them. So what was the point of even being with them? It's like, why did you you even get in a relationship with them if you was just going to keep competing with them and being against them? We're not teaching each other to be vulnerable and say, hey, this is how I genuinely feel because... Things hurt, but how do you ever get somewhere if you never felt any pain or gone gone through anything? Especially with people, anything worth having, especially people, there's gonna be some pain behind it. There's gonna be some work, there's gonna be some hurt.
1: I think one of the things that we're also talking about is like being able to decide for ourselves in these relationships what success looks like right Mm -hmm. like what a successful marriage looks like is different for every relationship but being on the same page about that right is it financial and if it is great all good is it I just want someone to like hug at night or is it you know what is again you guys know I'm a marketer what is the ROI (laughs) on this relationship. <laughs> like, really, what is the return on my investment here? And being mm-hmm. really honest with ourselves about that investment, treating it like an investment. You check in on it. Mm-hmm. You nurture it. Mm-hmm. You may need to shift some funds around mm-hmm. sometimes, some emotional funds, right, to make it work. But it, marriage and monogamy and relationships are an investment. And I think in a lot of ways, like, we're understanding that in a different way because we're in such a different world right Right now. And that like, you know, 80-20 in straight relationships, it doesn't really work. It has to be more of a 50-50. And mm-hmm. I think like that is a changing perception because again, we're in a completely different world than our parents were, our grandparents were, even, you know, our older siblings are.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of being in that different world is not just talking about straight relationships, Mm -hmm. is also talking about queer marriages and what do gender roles look like in those marriages and what does that 80-20 or 50-50 split look like in those marriages. And I think if you talk to your queer friends, like there's a lot of things that straight relationships can learn from Mm. those relationships and how things are divided and what that vulnerability looks like when it is a same-sex relationship
1: yeah, and there's so much more to learn. And especially, I think, like, again, as you said, Kathleen, like, being attracted to men is the weakness. So, <laughs> this is, we just right.
4: gotta, you know,
1: <laughs> we gotta deal with the L, like, in real life, to be honest. I think one of the things that, like, I've also understood now is that marriage and monogamy, like, aren't the only way to do things right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not the only playbook, right? And I think as we're like shifting away from like different norms, it's also just figuring out, all right, if this is what I want, let me be really intentional with that, but also open to what might be available. Because I think some of the things that we tend to do is like either self-select out, right? No, this I'm not Mm -hmm. for this person because of X, Y, and Z, or cross them off our list because they don't have, you know, certain requirements. So I feel like it's just like being able to open up the spectrum of who and how we're relating to people too, you know? And I think just opening up what we think those goals are.
3: Yeah, I know we're not talking about relationship goals, but Kathleen, I just admire so much how you and your partner have, you know, taken time to get to where you are now because you weren't always here. I'm sure you had to Mm -hmm. learn how to (laughs) fight and learn how to just compromise with one another and it takes you know it takes a lot of time and effort to to show up and choose one another each day and that's what you guys have done and now you're married and to me again even though we're not talking about relationship goals like to me that is goals choosing each other in that way Whew, thanks, Steph. I mean, when I hear you saying all that, there's like a
4: <laughs> lot of things going through my head. Mainly, just like an adverse reaction to the term goals, which we've all said, mm-hmm. because I I also think that where we've gotten should be the bare minimum. You mm. know, I don't think it should be. It should be the standard. It is not this thing that this like thing that we have surpassed that we are above anyone else. Like This is a relationship that's rooted in respect and that is at a point where we can communicate and be vulnerable with each other. That should be the standard. You should not be in a relationship if you don't have that. And Mm -hmm. I would caution Mm -hmm. against staying in something just because you feel like, oh, well, it's work. It also should feel good most of the time. Mm. It shouldn't be work all of the time.
3: Truly.
1: Mm. And I think that that is such a great point. And again, like Drizzy and retold told us it might be work, 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 work. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for me, like, that's something that I really think about. And we opened this conversation talking about marriage and monogamy, but I don't even think monogamy is for me. <laughs> I told you, like, I I have floated this to several people on my roster of like, so um, could we be polyamorous? And But not, not you, because I'm a jealous bitch, <laughs> but me, just me. Just me be polyamorous. And like... I don't know. That's the best I could do. Maybe you can watch at best. But like for me, I'm so serious and obviously that hasn't gone well because I am not in one of those relationships. I also like had to be honest with myself about like maybe that's not my path and that's cool because I don't know if I'd be willing to put in that kind of work for one person. And I had to be honest with myself about that and what my emotional capabilities right now are that may change and that may develop again we're working through this in therapy but I also want to be cool with the fact that maybe that just is the way I'm going to move and now it'll be my life and I'll be someone else's fabulous auntie with like five people on my arm
4: (laughs) Maya you got anything to say about that?
1: Girl five people on your arm you mean five bags what? (laughs) No I said you heard me I said people there's five positions on a roster okay (laughs) But I think one of the things I, I also just want to hit on is like, do are we only in relationships with people who've gone to therapy and done that self work? Um, I feel like Steph, you got some thoughts on this as like just like resident.
3: You, you see, you <laughs> see me nodding. You see me mm-hmm. nodding. So I am in a place right now where I'm accepting of the facts that everybody is a work in progress and. In any given moment, someone is doing the best that they can with the tools that they have. My boundary is if you're not self-aware enough to know that maybe your tool bag is lacking a little bit and there's some work that you could be doing, I don't know how much this is going to work because to me, so in All About Love, Bell Hooks, she defines love as an act of will, Mm intention and action, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another spiritual growth. And so in order for that to happen, there has to be spiritual work happening on an individual level so that in the partnership, there can be spiritual evolution as well. I think in a partnership, each person is kind of They're working on themselves and they're evolving. And through that self-evolution, then the relationship can evolve. But if one person is moving forward and the other one is staying stuck, then the relationship can't go anywhere. So I personally don't believe that, you know, without doing work on oneself, a relationship can last. And so I personally just have no interest in someone. They don't necessarily have to be in therapy, but I just feel like they have to be working on themselves somehow. Mm -hmm. Take the words right (laughs) out of my mouth.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say, because I know in the black community therapy is like still kind of an X slash question mark. And I just feel like at what point as an adult do you say, wow, I need to do some self-work. These are the things that are wrong. And these are the things I'm going to do to fix it. If you can give me that roadmap, then maybe we can, we can see something going somewhere. But if we're sitting back saying, I never did nothing wrong, I ain't gonna never do nothing wrong, get away from me.
1: <laughs> Truly. And I, and I think that is such a great point. Like, sometimes we just have to recognize, like, sometimes it's us. And sometimes it's okay, again, to step away from any situation that makes you feel unsafe or uncomfortable. You do not need an excuse for that in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. I feel like at this point, what we've understood at the very least is we are all works in progress. And if we want to do that work with someone, whoever that is, however that shows up in your life, please feel free to do it. But also know that that work, again, should be coming back to you because you only deserve that amazing energy. And with that, we have reached the end of our discussion, but oh wait, we've arrived to my favorite part of our conversation, the don't at me. If y'all need a reminder are new or true, or just want to hear me say it again, the don't at me is the part of the discussion that we use to tie a bow on our conversation, give you some gems and food for thought, and just some overall energy to move about your day, week, life with. And in case the title wasn't clear, you cannot at us, okay? Nothing. Nunca, non, nine, no, heart emoji. And for this one, you know, we have to run it back to our miss married gal, Kathleen herself, to drop a a few gems for us. So go on ahead and give us that don't at me, Kathleen.
4: Oh. I am now somebody's wife. (laughs) That is not something I ever dreamed of being. It's not something I ever aspired to be. And not just because of the stats we hear over and over again that black women are less likely to get married or that no one is checking for us on dating apps, which is why we aren't getting married. Some of that is true. Some of that is a myth. What is true is that if we do choose to, we are waiting until later in life to get married. And for good reason. Marriage is an institution that in many ways has not served us. The things that people used to get married for, like financial stability and companionship, are things that we can do for ourselves or find in our friendships, not romantic relationships, which is why marriage, if you choose to do it, should be more about a lifelong, hopefully, commitment and connection. It should be about that true, authentic, comfortable love, that real love, but that realness comes with reality, and sometimes that does, yes, involve work. That may not sound romantic, but digging deep into communication and conflict resolution with somebody's son or daughter or child can be sexy. Again, never forget that marriage is a business arrangement, and you should treat it as such. If one partner is getting screwed over in that contract, it ain't worth it. Also, we want prenup. Don't be afraid to cover your assets legally. And to quote Bell Hooks again, the work of love is first and foremost about knowledge and knowing a person. Marriage should be something you enter in with open eyes and an understanding of whomst you're getting into it with. Both parties have to be completely committed, respectful, vulnerable, and patient. And if all of that ain't true, I'm gonna say the four words of relationship advice I always give break up with him. You can add whatever pronoun you want in there. Being single is not substandard, it is a beautiful space to sit in and settle into, not settle. Now, I am now a wife. But marriage isn't the be-all and end-all. Marriage is supposed to be the end of the fairy tale, the thing that comes with happily ever after. But we know that our lives can be happy without that ring on our finger, that our fairy tales can be whatever we make them. I just want us, Black women, to have the love in our lives that we deserve. Get emotional over here. I found mine in a man who loves me deep in a way that I wish for everybody. But he does not complete me he is not a prince charming. He is just a man. I did all that for my damn self. I'm somebody's wife, but I only felt good about doing that because I love me first and foremost. And I'm bringing my whole self, fully complete, into this commitment. Do not settle for anything less, sis. Don't act. Woo, We better not cut one word of that. <laughs>
1: This season, we're reminding you what it means to be that girl, okay? From our style to our space and more, we're investing in our future and using our voices to lead the culture forward. So whether you're building ownership or building community, Target has what you need to celebrate your legacy your way. Hey. Okay, listen and listen clearly. She needs no introduction, but you know here at the Go Off podcast, we give the freshest and dopest bouquet of flowers to our favorite sisters. And let me tell you, this one is special. We are talking orchids, calla lilies, the expensive roses, no baby breath, no carnations, spring bloom flowers. She is Emmy nominated. She is a red carpet crusher, the funniest of comedians, a writer, actress, host. You've seen her on everything from Reno 911 to When They See Us, to Mrs. America, to The Soul Man, to the fourth and final season of Claws, which is coming up. The credits are clear, but more importantly, so is the energy. Please welcome Miss Niecy Nash to Go Offsys.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I feel like I need you to go everywhere
1: with me and get that <laughs> same introduction everywhere I go. Deal, deal. I told you, we're not playing around on Glocks. Again, as we said, we are huge fans and just so excited to have this conversation with you. Um, and I want to start off with Klaus. So first of all, congrats on the success of Klaus. Ooh. You guys are heading into season four, coming back this year, your fourth and final season. And I want to talk a little bit about the show and sort of the journey that you guys have taken from season one to now. I think one of the things that I loved when the show was first premiering was it felt so fresh, especially for things we haven't necessarily seen on TV, right? Being able to show different, diverse, complex characters. And so I wanted to just hear a little bit about what that journey has been for you from season one now about to premiere season four of Claws.
0: Well, it's interesting because... The initial thing that I was pitched was that Desna Sims, whose character, who's the character I play, was going to be fast tracked into this life of crime, so much similar to what you usually see men do, you know, on you know the Sopranos or Breaking mm. Bad, you know, that I was going to get bad real quick, and and then the show was going to go from there. But you know, the powers that be fell in love with. Desna's journey, and they wanted to stretch it out longer. So, what ended up happening was it ended up being a slow burn to the life of crime. And I'm like, I'm ready
2: to blow somebody's head off already. (laughs) Come on, man.
0: You know, so I was very ready to get going. And they just wanted it to take a little more time. So, I was like, Okay, but, you know, let's get the, the show on the road. One of the things that I can tell you that I really did love about playing Desna was that she represented to me the majority of my friends at the time who were all over 40, had no children, were not married. Everything was meaty, cheesy and greasy, and they were having sex for their own pleasure And I thought this woman, does. I don't see her on regular television. I made a very conscious choice for her to wear her hair in a untamed and wild natural state
1: because I didn't see that at the time either. I know there's showrunner Janine Sherman Barrios, who we've worked with at Refinery as well. She talked a lot about bringing that complexity, right? And also the like flaws of being a woman and just trying to figure it out and making it work because we do no matter what, we make it work. And so, can you talk a little bit about that sort of experience of building that complication as the seasons progressed and as Desna, you know, fell more and more into the life? When you talk about go off,
0: One of the things that I will go off about is I wasn't necessarily always as happy Mm. with, with the direction or the evolution. You know, there was one season there where the whole season, all I did was cry. And I said, and at one point, and I get it because we all been there. But if you are going to not only survive, but thrive at some point, you got to get up. Mm-hmm. You gotta say you gotta have a moment in your valley experience, but you don't live there. You don't pitch a tent. I was like, "Well, is she ever coming out of the thing?" And I felt like every day I was going to work, I was like, oh, "I'm crying over Dean. I'm crying over one of these girls in the shop. I'm crying over Roller. I'm crying over." And I just was like, "I'm sick of this girl. I'm sick of it." <laughs> you you didn't you know you done not wail. You didn't nash. You didn't cry. You, you didn't all the things. Get your plan together and let's hit it. Mm. Mm. So, And as an actor, sometimes you are involved in making someone else's thought of a person and their idea of a character manifest. And there were times when I would fight the good fight of faith because I was like, something about this doesn't feel right. And I always know when I have trouble memorizing the words that it feels
1: false. mm, mm. And when you're having those conversations about sort of protecting the integrity of your character and you as an actor, like, how do you sort of find that balance, right, of, of being able to sort of push back and say, you know, this doesn't feel like my character, like something that feels accurate and authentic and make sure you're protecting your instrument, right, and this character, the integrity of the character?
0: One, you set the groundwork at the beginning that you want it to be a collaborative process. So nobody is shocked when you get into it. Like, why are you asking us about scripts? You come in the door saying, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially as the leader of the charge, we have to be able to have a dialogue about it. I'm very passionate about things I feel strongly about, but I'm also not amenable to a give and a take. So you got to know that you're not going to get everything, but you have your points to be made for why you feel like a thing is right. For example, I will tell you this and you will say, girl, I know you're lying. (laughs) When I first got, you know, into the hair and makeup and did the camera test for Desna, she had a bob with blonde highlights, very soft, beachy. I put that wig on. I stood in them clothes and I said, I don't understand it. (laughs) Everything about it felt false. And people were Uh, like, oh, no, you look great. (laughs) No, 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 not for this girl. Uh You know what I mean? It's something about it is wrong. And I'm going to tell you, I fought up into the night before we began principal photography to wear my hair blowed out and and just straight, Uh no curls, no nothing, just there. And I mean, hard to come down from the clothes. I fixed myself up the way I thought she would look. And I sent the photos to all the powers that be. I said, I'm telling you, this is the girl. Give mm. me them burgundy booty shorts. This is it. <laughs> this, is, this is the lick right here. Because I mean, leather jackets and pencil skirts and high heels. And this vibe that made me feel like a soccer mom. I was like, no, ma'am, ma'am, this is not it. It wasn't it. And I fought very, very hard. And I'm I'm glad I won that. Didn't win them all, but I won that. <laughs> and I also felt like she didn't have a lot of time. To in the day, if you have to take care of your brother who's disabled, you got to take care Mm -hmm. of, you know what I mean? All these gals at the shop, you got to run your salon, try to live your dream, sell drugs for your boyfriend. She's not spending a whole lot of time on the thing, which was another reason why all of her clothes are very matchy matchy. She doesn't have time to think about. What is going to coordinate with this? And that's the other reason why she I, I chose for her to always wear a jumpsuit, because it's one complete look. And I feel like, it, in my mind, it makes it believable for her as a character. Mm.
4: I think all of this speaks to your talent, but also your ability to advocate for yourself. But as we're having more conversations in this industry about higher Black talent, put Black people in the rooms... There's also this conversation we need to be having about protecting Black talent who maybe cannot advocate on behalf of themselves. So what do you think needs to happen um, in the industry and in those rooms so that talent can advocate on behalf of themselves or that someone is protecting them as well?
0: It's interesting because I know a lot of Black women in this industry whose manager or whose team does not look like them. Mm-hmm. So when you go to somebody who does not share your journey and say, I'm being made to feel this way, or I got shut down when this happened, or I'm trying to find my voice in this space, you may really have to do the, the ABCs and the one, two, threes of walking down why this is a thing. As opposed to if you have someone on your team to go before you who looks like you, It's like, say less. Mm. (laughs) I, I got it. But no one is ever going to be as clear and as thorough and as detailed as you are in your own advocacy. It is not if you have the conversations, but when you have them speaking in a way where you where your point is made and where it is extremely clear. And I've been in times even where my management or agents have gone before me. And then I'm like, you know what? I got everything you just said. Can you give me the number? Because I need them to hear it from my own mouth. Mm. You know what I mean? So I am always one to be like, I'm the one who the agents and the managers go, that's why you have us. Stop calling people. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Let me all let, let me at you.
2: For let me you <laughs> <Give> a second. <laughs> As a Black woman who is so visible in an industry that has been kind of like stressful throughout time, how does it feel for you to know that there are many people coming after you who are like, oh my gosh, I want to be like Niecy Nash or I want to follow in the footsteps and the path that she's kind of set and have a similar confidence and a similar resume if we're keeping it real?
0: Well, the first of all, I love that. I mean, you know, that you could be a light or inspiration to anyone is always a blessing. I'm able to do that. The short answer is because God is kind. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the reason why I am not told no has nothing to do with the powers that be and everything to do with the most powerful. Because every time I go on a set, I make sure that there is somebody else who looks like me who eats. I don't care if you a PA. I don't care if you want to answer phones, you want to pick up course, baby. You write music, send me your song. I'ma submit it for you. I, I don't care what it is. Oh no, 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 no. I have my own stand in. Oh, who no, no, no. I got a girl who does stunts. And when I feel like I can be a conduit for other people to be blessed, God just keeps sending me and sending me and sending me and sending me. Not because I'm so great, but because he knows that he could use me when when I get there to be a blessing to someone else. So when people say I want to do what you do, I say give. Mm. Mm. And they say, mm, "Say what now?" <laughs> and I say, when your hand is open to give, it's open to receive. And that's all I can I can tell you cuz on paper
4: it does not make sense. Even as you're talking, I'm thinking of we all in this room know your work and love your work and know that you are, people are going in rooms being like, I want what Nisi has or give me that career or aspiring for your career. But I also think of someone like a Viola Davis, who's done interviews and said that she hasn't gotten the respect or the roles until a certain point in her career that she felt like she deserved. So I'm wondering if you, at this point in your career, feel like you have, gotten those roles and are continuing to get the roles and the respect in this industry that, that you feel like you deserve?
0: Well, I am a believer that you can have what you want. You know what I mean? When somebody tell you no, that just means to me, ask another way.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Let me repeat it again. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: the organs come in. Was dun, it a word? Dun, it's dun. a word. <laughs> dun, dun. <Okay. laughs>
0: Not only that, But if you fellowship with people that see you like you see yourself, a lot of that is mitigated. Because I know for me, I literally called a whole team meeting and everybody was like, so why are we here? What's going on? And I said, I wanted to reintroduce myself to you because I think you think you know me, but I changed. Mm -hmm. So I want you to know the new me. And if you don't or if you're not in lockstep with how I see myself, then we're going to have to get off the ride. I'm not mad at you and I hope you're not mad at me, but I want a thing. And I'm not asking you to give me the thing. I'm asking you to put me in the room so that I could go get the thing. And they got it. And that was the transition between me being the sassy black mama and the sassy black friend and the sassy black neighbor and the sassy this, that and the third To being a leading lady, to being able to people know, oh, you can do drama. To being nominated for awards for work that people thought I could not do. So it is having a clear image of self first, then being able to communicate that and trusting what God plants in your mind. You know, when you trust your first instinct, it's the closest you will ever get to God. And when you stay true to what you know you heard, in spite of whatever else comes along, the universe conspires to meet you where you are. And then you just walk boldly in that thing.
2: It's a gem dropper.
1: (laughs) I'm trying not to stomp right now. (laughs) (laughs) Please. all all of this. And I think like everything you're saying is just so amazing because what you're coming from is like a mindset of abundance, right? That like there is room for all of us and there is a place and a purpose for each one of us if we just open our eyes and step into it. And I think that's something that we've seen in your professional career, but also just like in your life and the way that you're moving forward in your life. And so I want to switch a little bit to sort of talk a little bit about that mindset of abundance when it comes to your life, and your love and these past couple years for you. So, number one, congratulations on your wedding and your first year anniversary, which I think you celebrated this month. Made it. One down. Forever to go. (laughs) Okay. Love it. (laughs) Today, we're talking, uh, we talked in the first part of this conversation around sort of like relationship gold and relationship goals. And while we are trying to stay away from that like goal energy, because everyone has their own path, you would probably be on our relationship goals list (laughs) because of that. I wanted to sort of get into that conversation that's helped you to come to your work, perhaps with that mindset of joy and abundance and love. I always have been a
0: lover. And I could never lean into those conversations that you have at the beauty shop or you, you hear your aunties and your mama having in the back room when you're little when that's like, I don't need nobody. I can do bad all by myself. I don't, I don't need it. And I'm like, oh, girl, I need all the things. I do you <laughs> don't want the things. So I could never lean into the, you know, you know, sometimes all men are dogs. Everybody cheat. Everybody's this. Everybody's that. And I just be like, Or they say, um, I can't, you know, it ain't nobody. I can't find nobody. It is no good people out here left. And I'm like, girl, where you looking? There's people everywhere. And I remember, remember having this conversation with one of my East Coast stylists. And I'm like, you literally can meet people anywhere. And so we're stepping into the elevator. There's a man standing there. And I said, hello. And he goes, He said something like, oh, you, you, you look so nice today and you smell so good. And I said, you're welcome. I know that's right. And I said, well, we got to go, you know, but I was like, see, so I just never leaned into or ever believed that you couldn't meet anyone anywhere. You couldn't find anybody that I always believe that love and pain go hand in hand because Mm. you're so open and you have to be vulnerable if you're going to love fully. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about that. When you go to the drive through and you say you want a number one, you don't get up to the window and be like, y'all put fries in there. I didn't want fries because, you know, it comes with it. But what you're trusting in your wisdom is that you're choosing someone who not if when they hurt you will be quick to restore you and Mm -hmm. course correct whatever the behavior was that took you off the rail. So I never gave up. I mean, crying. You know, when I broke up with my first husband, my kid's father, I lost my husband, my pastor, because we had a church, and my church family with the signing of a pen. Mm. But I still, I'm literally signing the the divorce papers, looking at the man across the table, and I said, the next time I do this, it's going to be different. Mm. Because I believe that the call on my life was to be a wife and because this marriage fell apart it didn't change my calling so i did it again and on the exodus of that i still knew now i didn't even have you know how they always say when a woman break up with you she already know who got next i didn't know who had next <laughs> you know what i mean i i, I hand the god i serve i didn't and i found love in the most unsuspecting place you could I could ever think, and I was like, "What is
3: this?"
0: And I was like, uh, "Okay." And I <laughs> I leaned in, and you know, I have never been a person to want to live my life in a in a dark corner. You gonna know what it is and who I am. You know what I mean? And somebody somebody said to me on my Social media feed. You didn't never uh, post your last husband as much. I don't know why you always trying to throw your relationship in my face. And I'm like, first of all, I did. I did post him. You just didn't care. <laughs> but, you know, the same, if you want to call it bravery, that I would lean into, into dating how I want to date and who I want to date is the same thing I bring to my career. I want to be successful at the thing. And so in order to be successful, you need to choose the things that make you happy. Because to have real success to me is an inner working. You know, all of this is the trapping. Mm. That's the outer, the outer thing. It's like being with a beautiful, beautiful person who cheats on you and beats you. They don't look that good to you, but to the outside world, they're like, oh, look at them. And so it's the inner success. And how do I get that? By being honest with myself first and then being honest with the people around me. And you will lose some people along the way with some of the decisions you make. But when you lay your head down at night, you sleep like a lamb. Hmm.
2: Preach, Preacher. She's talking. Really.
4: She's talking to me. Totally. And you're, I mean, all of this is the energy that we love, but from the outside looking in, we are seeing you and your wife, Jessica, in interviews. It gets spicy in those interviews. Your love is just like oozing out. So is there something about this relationship though? Because in our chat, we were talking about marriage. We're talking about what past relationships and kind of moving different and different relationships. So is there something about this relationship that makes you more comfortable maybe with the the PDA or with sharing some of those intimate moments with all of us?
0: Well, I'm super comfortable with PDA for anybody I'm with. That's number one. Number two, the thing that makes this relationship different from many others that I've experienced is that for me. It is the first time I feel fully seen. Mm. But to be fully seen and then double down with fully accepted feels like magic.
2: Can I have some, please? Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to say.
0: They passing it out on Crenshaw. Are they? <laughs> Can y'all mail it?
2: And I really much appreciate this. But what do you have for us who are just like, girl, I'm about to give up on this love thing because it's a little ghetto out here. Well, I mean,
0: I would say everything that manifests in your life, it starts in your mind. Mm -hmm. Everything that manifests in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, it starts in your mind. It's what you believe. I've heard, like, I remember one time I was doing a matchmaker party and a girl said to me, girl, she was asking me could she come. And in the middle of, the, of her said, she said, because I can't find nobody out here. All these men get on my nerves. They all be lying. They all be cheating. They make me sick. And, and last time I did this and this happened and that happened. But what time is it, girl? Because I want to come. And I was like, <laughs> you cannot come. I said, I'm so sorry, but you can Because you're not even in the mind frame to even receive a thing if it showed up in a proper way. So first, you start with what you believe. So you have to recondition your mind to say, this is the one thing that we were created for. Now we can run a fortune 500 company. That's great. We can give other people jobs. That's great. You could pop out some kids if you want to. That's great. What were we created for? Love. And so you cannot disbelieve the, 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 the thing that you were created for and believe more for things that you were not created for. That's number one. And then number two, be proactive. So people don't believe me when I say that I used to be on all the dating sites. You understand what I'm saying? I was on Yahoo. I was on Black People Meet. I was on <laughs> Christian Ger- Christian Girls with Weaves, I, whatever they all was. I was on all of them. With my real face, I hated that part of it. So I had to make it an event. So I would only look at profiles on Sunday. I would have wine. I would light a candle. I would like get into my right headspace, and I would see what the boys were talking about. And I would tell people, hey, if you know of a good person, I'm looking, I'm out here. Boom, 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 boom. And that's how I met my last husband because I said it out loud to somebody and they was like, you know what? I do know somebody. And so I continue to put it in the universe you know what I mean, and I've always practiced flirting. Even if I don't want to go out with you, I'm just keeping my game tight. I know <laughs> I, that's right. I'm, an, I'm <laughs> in a grocery store. Like, excuse me, <laughs> could you squeeze this for me? Does it, does it feel right to you, Nisi? Can you write a book? Because this is like kind of. I'm gonna tell you this. I do. I do have a book called "It's Hard to Fight Naked," and a lot of these things, tips, and things are in that book, but. After I made this particular transition, this is not a name drop, but it is, but it is. Sorry, not sorry. Oprah Winfrey <laughs> was the one who said to me, I know you think the first book is the book, dear. But this, mm. this is the book. I went home and was like, uh, in chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> in you know, in my, in my book, is God. Oprah, then the Obamas, don't at me. I don't want to talk to nobody about it. That's how I feel. (laughs) Um, And so when she said it to me, it was if it was poured in my ear from the most high, and I was like, get going. Mm. And began writing immediately. So, some of those gems you can get, and it's hard to fight naked.
2: So we're going to read the the first one, and then we're going to read the second one, and that's our our handbook, basically. Okay. That's it. (laughs) And that's going to be called, Oprah told me to
1: write this. Oprah told me to (laughs) write (laughs) this. sell so, a million copies on that, I'll tell you <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but I want to I sort of dig into this a little bit uh, because I think one of the things that you also said is that there is pain in love, right? And there is vulnerability in that pain and in that love. And I think that's something that I just want to talk about a little bit just in the context of this world right now. I know for you, you, you've been able to also Really, sort of like metabolize that pain into love, into purpose, into laughter, you know, whether it's your work on television or, you know, those New York Times videos mocking Karen's that was hilarious, but also very very real. And Mm -hmm. I know you've spoken about your own personal experience with violence and within your family. And so I I wanted just to just hear a little bit more about how you sort of have turned that pain into comedy and into love and and shared that with us.
0: Well, I will tell you that I don't think my formula was always right Mm. because that sort of pain for me started at a young age. I saw my mother get shot when I was 15 by somebody who said he loved her. When I was, the day before my 23rd birthday, my brother was murdered. Matter of fact, today is his birthday. Rest in peace, Michael Sean. And with all of that pain, somewhere in there, I knew I could make people laugh. And so... I decided early on to only feel one thing, and that was just the laughter and the joy, which ended up being a curse because even when I was in my first marriage, you know, I never wanted to deal with anything. It was like if he said to me, hey, we need to talk in that serious voice, I'm like, we need to talk we need to talk. And he's Mm -hmm. like, "Mm -mm, mm -mm." it was like, you know, he's angry and I'm doing a running man. Like, it's just like, what are you doing? But anything to not feel that. So that was how I was using my comedy for my own gift. I was kind of using it against myself and didn't realize it. And then it wasn't until I realized that my behavior was changing because the feelings were just stacking on top of And it was rising and it was like a dark cloud over me. And then I had to give myself permission to go feel all of the things. And it's so funny because I was just telling my husband the other day. Yesterday, I said, you know what the problem is with with, with most people? Your parents tell you not to lie. You learn how to do math at school. Somebody help you learn how to tie your shoes. But nobody teaches you how to manage your pain. Which is the reason why people drink too much, people drug too much, people eat too much, people, you know, stay depressed. And now you own anxiety medicine because we we're all trying to escape it instead of feeling it and moving through it. They don't teach us that. So once I gave that gift to myself, I became lighter, brighter more welcoming, more loving, because I didn't have so much equity that I had to share in my being with years and years and years of nonsense.
4: That also feels like just such a good tool and mindset to have in a marriage when there is especially a long-term relationship, when there are the, the pain and the joy and the ups and the downs. That's, that's just the mindset
0: you have to and have. And the trick to that is, You can't never both fall out of love at the same time. Somebody always has to be checking for the relationship. So if I'm not fresh, this other one over here better be on their knees praying, being like, we got this, we gonna be good. Let me, you know, give you a little word to tuck in. But if everybody's somewhere with their arms folded and it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you, that's when you're in trouble. This is is the book.
1: (laughs) Wow. Um okay, honestly, the, you've answered every single question we had and more. And so I just want to ask if there's anything for you that's coming up that you're excited about going into 2022 or just thinking about or an intention that you want to set for all of us listening because you've been giving us gold on gold. I'm excited about the fact that
0: globally that therapy is more widespread and black people are leaning in. Yeah. Mm. I think it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm happy about that, you know, as a whole. I'm happy about that for people that I know who are like, wait a minute, what is it? Oh my God, I tried it. And I'm like, yes, you know, so that always growth always excites me. I am excited about my relationship because I feel like it is just so different. I mean, in terms of the the connective tissue, not So much the gender part, the soul part. And, you know, it just, it just keeps getting better. And I'm just excited to do what I said I was going to do in an interview, which was make love all around the world. I just booked another trip this morning. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Sam's in passport, back to be broken everywhere globally. (laughs) And I love that. And I'm also, I love, like, having a front row seat to my children's maturation. Because, you know, people say, you I blinked, and now you're grown. I didn't blink. Eyes wide open. And I love, like, just watching it happen. The ups, the downs, the pain. I'm like, oh. So you, you see it coming. Oh, if this one get a heartbreak, baby, we all got to be on deck. Hold on. Everybody get ready but just watching my children become adults because that's your legacy. It is the kind of people you put in the world, not what they do as a station in life. And I just watch them create their path and build their village and all of those things. Lastly, I'm excited to find places where my spouse and my art intersect. Mm -hmm. So to work together on something is what we're putting together now. And so I'm excited to do that because I ain't never been with nobody who I don't get tired of being around. And if you've ever been to my house, like when the hair and makeup people come, it is like the craziest thing. They like, y'all cannot be away from each other for five minutes. It's like 40 minutes is like the max. And then it's like, hey, you all right in there? You need (laughs) anything? What's going on? Y'all good? Like wherever you are, if we're about to part ways, we look at each other like, okay, well, You got everything. I'm just going in the next room. Uh, (laughs) Well, in a minute, I'm gonna come find you. Uh, Okay. And so we love to. It just I never, I never experienced it this like this in my life. So to be able to work together, too, I just
1: we both think it would be so much fun. Mm, Gonna start that Nash Empire, okay? That's what we're doing. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Nisi. Like everything that you said was just so like resonant and so vulnerable. So you're clearly leading by example in your own life. And I feel like, like you said, giving permission for others to do the same. So I just appreciate that. And you being here, building content, creating culture for us and for this community is so impactful. So keep doing it. And we're ready for this book whenever you publish it. Please.
0: (laughs) I will be right here to go off about it.
1: The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Stephanie Long, Maya Carmichael, and Ineye Komanebo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started on Instagram at R29unbothered. Thanks for listening, and don't forget it's okay to go off, sis. Hey.
0: Money worm.